I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. I was minding my own business, having dinner with my lady wonder wench this evening. When it struck, I got a sudden and painful attack of auto-cannibalism. Now, for those of you who are not medical experts, auto-cannibalism has nothing to do with eating your car. And since it's a condition that happens almost exclusively to Louie Louie generation guys, Big Louie, his own bad self, the chief mustard cutter of the Louie Louie generation, would, I think, want me to tell you about it right away. Auto-cannibalism. That's the condition that makes you bite your own tongue. Why do we do that? I have a theory. Well, I have a theory about most things, I guess. But don't blame it on your eye tooth. You know, that would be funny but inaccurate. And although we strive for inaccuracy here sometimes, not this time. Because look, as you very well know, your, your eye tooth can't actually see anything. But it does bring up the question of the practice of putting a, a Bluetooth in your ear so that you can hear a phone conversation, doesn't it? It's a really weird picture. <laughs> In every sense of the word. Anyway, back to auto-cannibalism. I think it happens to us mostly because guys' tongues get fat and women's don't. And it happens mostly to Louis Louis generation guys because we have allowed many parts of our bodies to get fat, especially our heads. For those of you who are not Louis Louis generation guys and therefore don't have this problem, let me explain what it's like when when auto-cannibalism strikes, all of a sudden, your fingers stiffen, and then in one powerful spasm, they fold kind of backwards till they almost touch your knuckles, and you grind very naughty words between your clenched teeth and your eyes bulge out, like they did when you realized you left your wallet with your credit cards, your paycheck, and all of your personal IDs back at the supermarket checkout, and the supermarket is a very, 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 very long distance in your rearview mirror. There is no pain that compares with auto-cannibalism. And as I said, it, it's a condition that almost exclusively attacks Louis Louis generation guys. And I'm glad that women don't usually suffer from auto-cannibalism. But if they did, if women also suffered from auto-cannibalism, they would no longer complain about the relatively insignificant pain of childbirth. The only comparable pain known to doctors is the pain which is also experienced only by guys, and that is the pain that comes from putting your arm around the back of your girlfriend or your wife's chair in the movies and leaving it there for two and a half hours. And then she likes the movie so much, she wants to stay and watch all the closing credits so you know who's the best boy in the grip and the whole thing. I don't know why we do it. I didn't used to do it. I think as 
Years go by, maybe guys' tongues grow larger like our ears. And think about that. As a matter of fact, feel your own tongue. Wash your hand first, of course. Or, or just kind of wiggle it around in your mouth. And doesn't it feel huge in there? I mean, did it ever feel that big before? Go take a look in the mirror. Stick your tongue out. Go ahead. Nobody's watching. See that? It's huge, isn't it? And the more you think about it, the bigger it gets. And the bigger it gets, more is talk about anything, you know? My Lady Wonder Witch has a theory about why Louie Louie Generation guys' tongues grow kind of fat. She says maybe it's because we don't exercise them enough by having long conversations about relationships with those with whom we share a romance. Well, Lady Wonder Wench is pretty smart, and so I think there may be some actual fact to that possibility. But if it's the case, if that's the case, if there's merit to that idea, then doesn't it make sense that ladies' tongues grow slim, shapely, and muscular because they have the benefit of years of heavy-use, non-stop aerobic exercise? <laughs> I don't know, whatever theory you buy, the result is obvious. And I guess we have to simply put it down as one more example of the difference between men and women. Of course, some guys exercise their tongues a little too much. And that sucks, too. There's a story about that in the Bedtime Stories personal audio CD, and it's called Mr. Smalltalk. You married Mr. Smalltalk, a nice, hard-working guy who sprays his car with air freshener and hangs his trousers up carefully before he makes love. His conversations are full of how's the weather and sports scores, kind of stuff that mostly fills empty spaces with sounds. He even asked you to marry him in Smalltalk. He said, we could get married if you like. You were in your late 20s and very tired of the dating game. And you couldn't think of any particular reason to say no, so you said yes. Well, predictably, your marriage is like most of your conversations. Small talk casual. It's not bad, just sort of distant. And that's okay, because you like your space, and he's even got some money. You're a bright woman. You run your own business, and you ride your quarter horse in shows. You love the challenge of both. You set your own schedule, so you take time each day for a ride. The exercise feels good, and so does the teamwork that you and your horse are teaching each other. After your ride, you usually stop at a neighborhood diner for lunch and a few laughs with the other regulars. One of them is a flight instructor at the small airport down the road. You first noticed him because he was obviously trying not to notice you. He didn't stare. He just couldn't seem to stop his eyes from flicking your way. It surprised you because your everyday riding outfit is a pair of worn, stretchy jeans and an old, long-sleeved, blue turtleneck sweater under a plaid flannel shirt with a green down vest. You get muddy and sweaty when you ride, and your hair gets scrunched down inside your helmet. It's not exactly sexy. His opening line was, Hi, this place is pretty crowded today. Do you mind if I share your table? He's a very ordinary-looking guy. Average height, 
worn brown leather jacket, couple of gray streaks and curly brown hair, Ray-Ban sunglasses, t-shirt, jeans, and scuffy sneakers. He said, I noticed that you dressed for horseback riding. I had a horse. Most people don't understand how delicate they are for such big, powerful creatures. He spoke quietly and easily about how often horses die from things like a broken heart. He had the kind of deep, gravelly voice that would make you feel safe and comfortable if it were coming out of the PA system in an airliner in bad weather. You began to look forward to your lunchtime conversations. He had the kind of sense of humor that covers a deep, lonely streak, like a wound that is healed but still hurts. He's shy. He only talks about things that are important to him. Small talk is simply not his style. When he talks about the weather, it's with a pilot's respect for the life and death power of nature. But he certainly has a small life. His airplane, his collection of jazz CDs, and now his lunchtime meetings with you. He sees things that are too small for most people to notice. The way sunlight catches bits of dust in the air. The way your eyes change color when you laugh. The secrets the other diners are giving away with small changes in their body language. He's a widower. He's a little down on his luck. Flight instructors don't make very much money. Until last year, he was a co-pilot with an airline that didn't make it. His job crashed the day after his wife was killed in a traffic accident. Then one day he said, I might come out to watch you ride sometime after lunch. And today he did it. Nobody ever came out to watch you ride, even when you went to shows. He just stood outside the barn with his arms folded and... When he caught your eye, he smiled, and you were so surprised, you got off your horse, you ran over to him, and you wrapped both your arms around one of his, and you leaned your head against his shoulder. There was a trace of engine smell in the soft brown leather of his jacket, and more than a trace of surprise in his eyes. His arms automatically made a ring around your shoulders. Without thinking, you laid your cheek against his chest and you slipped your hand under his jacket and shirt and you were rubbing slowly up and down his back. He took a quick, deep breath that sounded like an old wound breaking open. And then without a word, he loosened his arms so you could step back if that's what you wanted to do. But you didn't. Because you couldn't move. The message in his eyes was steady and clear. If you stay where you are, Please don't ever expect me to be just your friend. No confusion. No protection. No words. You knew you needed to speak. You needed to say no, but you couldn't. There was only the rustle of your breathing and his quiet heartbeat. And then a deep, powerful male sound came up from somewhere unprotected inside him. It wasn't a word, it was just a sound, but it filled all the space between you with a quick, soft shock. And you were suddenly safe, but warm and dangerously naked in his arms. The time for small talk in your life may be past. Yes, women do sometimes have some problems controlling what their bodies do, too. I've been trying to learn more about that for years. 
That story's called Mr. Small Talk. It's from the Bedtime Stories personal audio CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or if you want a fresh copy, just go back to DickSummer.com, download it from the Bedtime Stories icon right there in the opening page. Dick's Details, a bunch of totally unimportant stuff to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's been keeping you awake out the other ear and you can nod off comfortably to sleep. The guys in the white lab coats tell us that banging your head against a wall uses 150 calories an hour. How the heck do you get people to volunteer for tests like that? An ostrich's eye is bigger than its brain. My buddy Jeff has been fighting that problem for years, and he's winning. He's down to only 340 pounds now. Eye is bigger than his brain. An ant can lift 50 times its own weight, can pull 30 times its own weight, and always falls over on its right side when it's intoxicated. Now, how did they get an ant intoxicated to do that survey? I mean, an ant ant, A-N-T, you know? According to legend, my buddy Jerry's aunt, A-U-N-T, aunt, got intoxicated and she fell over into some guy's bed. But that's a whole different story. Dick's Details. They take your mind off your mind. And speaking of taking your mind off your mind, every place you look these days, everybody you talk to, find lots of hurting and problems and bad stuff going on. And lots of people are getting scared. Lots of people are getting mad. My buddy Al is taking it personally, and he's planning on getting even. So I told him what, what Big Louie, his own bad self, says about getting even. Big Louie says, quote, If you spend all your time trying to get even, you'll never get ahead. End quote. Good advice. So it's not exactly news that there's lots of big bad news out there. But there's also a lot of little good news, like some stuff that happened this week. For example, I got a road map folded back exactly the same way I found it. That's not easy. My lady Wonder Wench put a bouquet of fresh tulips on our dining room table, and we lit two small slim candles to go with them. Gorgeous. She was exercising her hurt hand with uh, handful of silly putty so just to kid around a little we had a little game of catch with it that was fun i made a paper airplane that had a graceful flight from the kitchen all the way to the living room wall i found the name robert marshall written in an old-fashioned handwriting and and faded ink on on the inside cover of an old book that she found in a, in a second-hand bookstore wondering who the heck he was where he is now or whatever happened to him. The wind the other day blew the tarp off my snowblower and my neighbor Randy found it in his backyard and he just came over last night and put it back on. And my brother John and his lady Beth and our son Mark came over to visit. We told terrible knock-knock jokes and puns late into the night and we laughed till we started to cry and we started to laugh again. So there's lots of little good news stuff going on, kind of stuff that can almost make up for all the pain of the big bad stuff, except for the pain caused by auto-cannibalism. Boy, that hurts. 
Okay. Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.